Hi, everyone. I'm Laura Paskus, senior producer for the show Our Land, New Mexico's environmental past, present, and future at New Mexico PBS. It's August 10th, and you're listening to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast. Today's topic is healthy masculinities. And maybe you're wondering, what does this have to do with the environment? So healthy communities and healthy landscapes are completely related. And let's face it, if we look around the world, it is really clear. We can't have healthy communities or healthy landscapes without healthy men. And let's also face it, it's kind of hard to have honest conversations about that. That's why I was super excited earlier this year when the New Mexico Healthy Masculinities Collaborative, which has been around since 2018, released a Healthy Masculinities Toolkit. In the conversation you're about to hear, we talk about the toolkit and about what healthy masculinities are. And I get to ask some members of the collaborative a bunch of questions, including about the role someone like me plays in that work. I'm a woman and I'm mom to a daughter, and I don't know where I fit into the conversation or fit into this sort of work, even though it's really important and I think about it all the time. So maybe you're someone like me too. Maybe you don't understand how to be a part of this larger conversation, a conversation that is so crucial, whether we're talking about safe schools and gun reform or climate change or politics or family or anything really. So one of the really great things about being a reporter is you get to ask people a bunch of questions that maybe other people have too. So here you go. Here's my conversation with Christopher Ramirez and Luis Calunga with Together for Brothers, Dr. Corrine Sanchez with Teowa Women United, and Carly Romero with NewMexicoWomen.org. So we are talking today about the New Mexico Healthy Masculinities Collaborative, which has released a toolkit focused on reimagining masculinity. The collaborative includes Together for Brothers, Tewa Women United, NewMexicoWomen.org, the Transgender Resource Center, and the New Mexico Health Equity Partnership. So let's start with you, Christopher. What does healthy masculinity mean here in New Mexico, and how do we reimagine masculinity? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Laura, for having uh, Luis and I um, and our, our, our colleagues, our community partners together for brothers. Um, and what's been incredible is having been part of this process. One of the first things I want to say is we identify healthy masculinities as being plural, meaning there's not one way to, to represent healthy masculinity. There's multiple. And we're so excited about this continuum continuum or spectrum of healthy masculinities that is also about specific communities. We know that for, for Native men, for Latino men, for Black men, for Asian Pacific Islander men, for Middle Eastern men, um, and the other men who aren't um, people of color, there's a particular way that healthy masculinity shows up for their communities. And then we know even as we look at particular communities, right, immigrant and refugee communities or immigrant Latino communities, that there's particular ways. But one of the things I want to say um, that we've learned in doing the toolkit and in other work with Tewa Women United in particular. Thank you so much, Dr. Dr. Sanchez, for always being a great mentor and um, teacher for us and the brothers, is that um, we think of 
um, healthy masculinities that really represents healthy relationships and boys and young men of color building healthy relationships with each other and others in their families and in their community. Um, and one of the things I wanna, um, if I can, I wanna just have Luis answer. We did this really great thing. Uh, we did a summit in 20, um, uh, 2019. Um, in December of 2019, and we created a healthy relationship workshop and tool where we came up with, um, we were trying to come up with a way to represent how we want to represent healthy masculinities, healthy relationships. And we came up with the idea of five things. So we had a hand, right? So the, the thumb and five four fingers that represents um, knowing our assets and, and knowing the assets of others. And Luis was the person, the, the brother who actually came up with that because we, we knew that we wanted to communication, consent, um, expectations um, and boundaries, but the assets was one that Luis added. And so I just wanted to ask Luis, do you want to add anything about what is what do you think healthy masculinities means for the brothers in T4B? Yeah, I think, I mean, really about being brotherly um, in spaces where we honor each other, where we have conversations that we feel safe, uh, where we where we feel vulnerable, where we're open to uh, having these discussions around things that we don't really have the space and and um, opportunity to do so. Um, yeah, I think uh, even outside of those circles, like doing the work for ourselves and thinking about um, how we can better ourselves in a way that we show up differently uh, for those in our community. I love that idea about being in spaces where we honor one another. Um, I'm curious, Carly, for someone like me, like I'm a woman, a mother of a daughter, what is my role in this type of work? I love this question because I really think that um, culture shift happens in small moments and it happens in the home and that all of our liberation is tied together. So this is a conversation for all of us. Um, and so first I wanna address some systemic pieces and um, you can read about some of this in our toolkit, which you can download at nmmasculinities.org and I'm sure we'll review all that information later. But you know, um, toxic expressions of masculinity, patriarchy are deeply and integrally tied to white supremacy, a history of colonialism, and a present of colonialism and a history and present day um, imperialism. And so if um, terms like structural racism, interpersonal racism, if those are things that you're intrigued by or challenged by, I would highly recommend as women in New Mexico, we really seek to educate ourselves around those, join a training, buy some books, you know, really open our, our minds to conversations around these pieces. Otherwise, as a person and a woman with a one-year-old daughter, you know, I really think about these things that um, Christopher has talked about that we can practice in the home. So, um, you know, when I think about when my baby's old enough to speak, you know, asking her, do you want to give a hug goodbye? Or do you want to give a kiss? Or do you want to give a high five? And really teaching and role modeling for her that she has agency and autonomy and that we respect her choices even as a young person. And I would do that for a little boy or a child of any gender. And I think that's 
that's where we need to make sure um, our behavior, our practices with our children are universal around this kind of thing. Another thing is just um, respecting boundaries, like respecting her no. If I had a, if I were to have a little boy, um, respecting his no, and then also modeling that with my partner, right? Like modeling respect of boundaries. Um, a third thing I want to say is it's really important to, um, as parents in a household, practice apologizing <laughs> when we get it wrong. Say you got it wrong because I think a way. Um, you know, toxic masculinity can be an expression of like, I'm never wrong. I know everything. I can't say I don't know. You know, I think we really saw this actually with our former president. Um, we saw this um, and it does translate. It translates in big ways, right? There wasn't an ability to say I lost, right? There were these fabricated, fabricated, I'm sorry, claims around the election that led to a violent insurrection. And like, that's a tiny thing from not just being able to be like, man, I got it wrong, <laughs> you know? I apologize, I went down the wrong path, I take it back, reel it back. Um, and I think we really need to be able to model that as parents with our partners, with our children. I'm sorry, I messed up, let me try again. Um, it's a tiny thing, like these are the things that make up our lives, these are the choices that make up our family and our community and our larger cultures. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just pause there and um, give space to others. Yeah, I love that because I feel like the, the whole issue of whether it's structural racism or patriarchy or toxic masculinity, it seems to me like a very overwhelming issue. And what I love about this effort and the toolkit and some of the suggestions that you had is it helps me feel empowered to think of how I can take these steps within my family, within my community, within my state. And so I just, I love this effort. Um, Dr. Sanchez, the work that Tewa Women United does is so beautiful in the ways that you talk about things like health and the environment and history and the future. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how healthy men affect not, not just their families and their communities, but our natural landscapes and our connection to the landscapes and and rivers and in the world around us thank you laura yes as we talk about women as the first environment which gaji cook uh in um, midwife brought to our attention um and for us seeing women as a reflection of our environment so when we think about na ochokuyo for us as Tewa people, who is the giver of life and her life streams of water and air, the plant relatives, our land, the, the healthier an environment we are in, the healthier all of us are. And so in our families and our communities, the healthier relationships that we have with one another, with one another in our intimate relationships, and all of the um, relational activity that we have with one another. So if we are practicing, as Carly mentioned, um, those places of respect and reciprocity and compassion and understanding, mm -hmm. um, the more healthy modeling that we're doing for our children. Um, and for us, as we look at the environmental degradation and climate justice and issues that are happening, they're extractive industries they're disruptive, um, they're disrupting the flow, they're disrupting the energy. 
Um, we see how violence to the land is violence to our bodies. Um, and so again, if we're talking about this healthy relations and relational activity with one another, that means that we need to look at ourselves, be reflective, understand how our impact as human beings are onto our mother earth, um, how our how is our impact as adults to the young ones that we're teaching? Um, and how do we look at this multiplicity that Christopher mentioned, right? That we're bringing in the multiplicity of identities, of sexualities, of expression. We know that a healthy ecosystem is a diverse ecosystem. And we want to make sure that we're reflecting that in our communities and in our families. Um, there are so many different um, representations of healthy masculinities. Um, and so again, for us as Table Women United, we also speak to which is in us is male and female, in us is the fluidity of that balance. And it's meant to be fluid to go back and forth um, around leadership, around sharing responsibility, um, also around the recognition that we have within us the full expression of gender continuum and gender expression. Um, and sexuality and sexual expression. Um, and so, yes, I think those are the ways that we tie the environment and climate justice to the, the ways that we respect ourselves, others, and Mother Earth. So we've mentioned the toolkit and we'll have links to the toolkit on our website. Um, who was that written for and who should use it? I don't know who wants to jump in, but um, whoever wants to start. Uh, oh, go ahead, Christopher, please. Okay. Um, um, I can just start and then please jump in. So the toolkit is a collection of readings, workshops, and exercises aimed at helping audiences reimagine masculinities, raise awareness about, um, about healthy masculinities, um, promote self-awareness, healthy relationships, thriving communities, explore and reimagine gender dynamics. Um, and um, I want to say this caveat because I really think it's important that we meet people where they're at and, um, in community. And this was designed for really uh, facilitators, educators, and folks um, leading conversations in community who can um, take this material, take um, these modules that we created together as a collective, as the New Mexico um, Healthy Masculinities Collaborative, and um, translate it for their communities in a meaningful way. Um, and um, it could be used for, you know, self-identified men and boys, but I think it could really be meaningful for all genders. And Christopher, I'll pass it to you. The only thing I want to add, Carly, to what the, all that amazing piece that you said is it's New Mexican. And Laura, I think because you're with New Mexico PBS, I think that's so, such an important piece. I'm so excited because I know Corrine in particular, we see so many resources nationally that don't represent the reality of the colonization that's happened here in New Mexico, the imperialism that Carly, you know, was was referring to, and that connection to, um, you know, especially for indigenous communities in a place we, um, like New Mexico, how is it that we can have peel off multiple layers of, of what we're actually talking about? I always think of like unpacking that suitcase after a long trip where you don't know, you don't remember what's in the suitcase, or there might be some things that you're not ready to deal with. Right. Um, I, I always joke about that, that, that somebody gave you some food and you never ate it and it was in the suitcase. And now you have to figure out, like, do you do you throw it away? Do you try to compost it? Do you 
try to peel away the, the outer layer. But I think that's the important part of who this is for is I, we, I also see it as um, people in different spaces can take and use it for what they need. And I think that's an important part of creating any resource and particularly for communities in New Mexico, because we know people are at, um, Carly said, are, are in different spaces with their work around their own internalized work, their work interpersonally in our in and and then the work systemically right and and that's maybe the last thing this is absolutely to be used as an educational um resource um and then i think about how table united teaches us we can do that we have to provide babies in the river right we need to provide people the resources they need we need to we need to start to go upstream and shift like shift that paradigm shift the culture but we need to change policies and laws and i just think about like especially now with the supreme court ruling on roe v wade you know table women united and and the work that kareen and others did around respect new mexico women and making sure that we repealed our anti-abortion laws in new mexico is so direct so directly linked to healthy masculinities to people to gender and racial justice but also to environmental justice um and i know kareen Carval, we speak much more about that but this toolkit is for everyone to use how they best think. Um, and then what's exciting is this is, I feel like, the first steps in a much larger path to shifting culture in New Mexico. Um, and we are excited to have others, right? Carly and, and Kareen and Lou, um, others join us in that. Kareen, do you, I want to, I want to hear if, if you have any thoughts, especially from, you know, coming from uh, like Tewa people and from Northern New Mexico in particular, who, who do you think this is for? Yeah, I, I think you and Carly covered it well. It's for everyone. Um, these conversations we know are hard to have, are charged. There is so many layers to the colonial history, so many layers to violence that is perpetrated against women, girls, and Mother Earth. Um, and that's often directed at us from male and masculine folks. And so, you know, this, this conversation and how we got started with this group is really having those deep dive conversations around the complexity, around how our BIPOC men of color, masculine folks are impacted by um, capitalism, by patriarchy, by white supremacy, um, which often silences their voices as well as abilities to stand up and and take on an active bystander role right and so again we recognize that we were kind of conscious and mindful around how we wanted to bring this together um i feel like adaptability and flexibility are often really powerful tools around our survival and so this toolkit is about adaptability and flexibility in in the scope that you may have a half an hour with folks you may have two days with folks right so just thinking about um what is needed so there's different ways that it can be utilized and we wanted to really also stress that this is just the entry point right um, for our families and our communities to have this conversation. There is so much layering with, with, I love the suitcase analogy, with racism and sexism and classism that all, also impact our experiences. And so again, this is a jumping off point and we hope to, to continue to build with community um, around how we wanna further um, address the issue and, and go deeper in our conversations. So I think about this all the time and I, I feel like whether we're talking about the environment or gun reform 
um, or you know what happened here in Albuquerque just recently with APD and the SWAT issue. Um, I would love for each of you um, to describe for me what kind of a world we can have when we embrace healthy masculinities and when healthy masculinities are widespread throughout our our country and our cultures. Um, I think it's within our grasp. Um, it's it's just the work that we put in really. Um, you know, I'd like to see um, a lot more spaces where we we as young men of color are invited to tables where decisions are being made that directly impact us. Um, you know, when I was younger, I mean, especially like in my teenage years, it, it was a lot harder to feel like I was uh, respected in those spaces and, and felt like my opinion mattered or my voice was being heard. And so as I was able to build my, you know, my own leadership and uh, capacity to be able to you know, just uh, speak on the issues I see and, and kind of find those solutions and kind of work towards them little by little. Um, that kind of just changes my the perception I have of the world and myself. And so like, just being able to heal myself um, and work towards that really changed my outlook on the on the world. And um, yeah, it just makes life a, lot, a whole lot better. And I'll add to that a little bit more, you know, through that, like my relationships healed um, with like my family, you know, I get to be, you know, the person in my family that brings in wisdom, right? Like for a long time growing up, like it, it's like uh, our parents take care of us for so long, but eventually um, I got to the age where like, I'm able to take care of them a little bit and kind of return that love um and my older brother as well and and so my friendships like I feel like I'm uh yeah I feel like leadership is a very big mm, it's it's key for like those just that love uh that we have for one another and so so yeah um that's the world I'd like you know, to work towards. I just want to follow up on that. Like, I, I feel like part of the us getting to healthy relations um, with ourselves and with others in our in our families and our communities and across the world is about that healing. It's really is about the healing those deep wounds um, that racism, sexism, and all these oppressions. Um, put on us, right? Those historical pieces, those intergenerational pieces, and then our individual stuff that we go through. And so in a world where we're all working towards healing, I feel that it just is going to open up that place of love and compassion and kindness um, and support that we all need. Um, we are human beings that, and that social interaction, that positive social interaction, that recognition of seeing us fully for who we are, how we name ourselves, how we identify, um, all of those things. When that is really recognized, we just see individuals bloom. 
um, from, from whatever culture, community, gender perspective. It's like once we are seeing the fullness of a person, um, then it's where we're responding and acting. I want to see it and respond. I want to have a world where we're seeing and responding and acting in love. Um, where the violence is reduced, right? Where we're not acting out of our pain and hurt and hate and all of those things that drive this culture of violence as my mother talks about. Um, and that we're really embracing this culture of peace um, so that all of us can thrive. Like, I feel like all of us wanna see our young people growing into who they were meant to be, prayed to be, all of those things where we where we don't have to live in fear for ourselves and for our children. Um, I think that that is the what we're working towards. And this collective has been a powerful place of healing for myself and the work that we do um, and just continuing to bring about hope um, that we can transform this violence and this culture that we currently find ourselves and really do co-create together a place where we're all respected and valued. Carly, did you wanna add? Um, that's hard to top. <laughs> no, I think that was like um, just so beautiful, Corrine, you know, and I I always think about, you know, um, healing doesn't happen in isolation. I mean, I'm sorry, wounding doesn't happen in isolation. It happens in relationship and community, right? And so healing needs to happen in relationship and community In and, um, this is just an invitation, right? This is an invitation for us to dive in, lean in a little more to how we can find ways to be in um, better relationship with each other. Because um, at the end of the day, the world is created about of relationships. Um, and I also want to say, like, because, you know, some people might read about this. Actually, many people do read about this and they get triggered, right? Like, I've had a lot of conversations with cis men who, who get really triggered about just the bringing up a conversation about healthy masculinities or exploring masculinities. Um, they're like, you're problematizing masculinities. And it's, this is not an indictment of men. It's not. Um, men are hurting too. Men are in a lot of pain from not having space to freely express themselves and to freely emote and not having and being given um, safe space to move through and process their emotions. Like, that creates tremendous harm on uh, pers interpersonal levels, on systemic levels. Um, it's, you know, it creates, um, when people feel powerless, they find ways to exert power. And so, and it, in our, historically, that's been physical, right? Like a lot of that has been demonstrated through physical means to the detriment of women and feminized people. And so um, this isn't an indictment of men, but it is an invitation for us to heal collectively and a journey that we're all on and a journey that we're like each in our different stages. And even me as, um, you know, a cis uh, Hispanic woman, Chicana woman, I can, I can learn from this toolkit and I have learned from this toolkit and I do learn from my partners every day. So this is really work for all of us. Christopher. Yeah, I just want to I just want to say, you know, the things that Carly, um, Luis and Kareem were saying, the, the only thing I want to add, Laura, is my vision is that and, and you brought up this idea of we think we don't have the resources to and to fund the things that we want, um, health care, access to abortion is health care, access to food, healthy food for um for people like a small thing where together for brothers does the refresh food share with three sisters kitchen that is almost all local organic food produce and value-added products and it's amazing to me when families say this is so different than the box or bag we get 
from the food bank because it's not boxed and canned. It's it's fresh veggies and fruit and um, tortillas from Albuquerque and beans from Moriarty and blue corn from Santa Ana Pueblo. But when we get access to the resources that we deserve, but also the people that need them get what they need, you, you can start to see how the world can change, right? And so food, outdoor access, being able to make art and tell your stories, being able to have a job that you're um, uh, treated respect, fairly and respectable, uh, respectable in your job, um, being able to have transportation um, that is affordable, ideally free, and also accessible and safe. Like all these things that come to mind of like the world I wanna see. And the, what I'm reminded about is, you know, it's not hard for me to imagine in Albuquerque where, where Luis and I are, that when we see a, a city budget that says we need 275 million for police and even 10% of that would double, right? Or I think it's like triple the budget serving unsheltered people. Rather than criminalize unsheltered people, we could provide the level of resources we know that we could and should with, with shifting our resources as a community. And that's what the vision I have is, Luis said it, we need people most impacted at the table. And we've learned this right from our, our native brothers and sisters, those, those sovereign nations, tribes about sovereignty, self-determination, being able to make, being able to also make not only your own decisions, but being at the decision-making table um, and having, right, and it makes me think about even bringing up having indigenous air, land, and water that we all are on in New Mexico and breathe and and drink and and eat, um, because the food we eat in New Mexico comes from the indigenous water of our land. That that should be in the control of indigenous people. So, just, it makes me think about that. That the vision I have is it's intersectional, it's 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 um you know, it's systems. But it's also, um, and I'm really grateful to Tewa Women United for giving together for Brothers the language. It's healing informed, not trauma informed, healing informed. And Carly, you said it. It's, it's healing that has to happen at an individual, interpersonal, collective, but also at a systemic level. Well, thank you all so much. I, I love this effort. I appreciate the conversation. Um, I feel like I'm learning so much through this process and just... Thank you. Thanks for your work and for being here with me today. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Laura Paskus. Find more environmental content on New Mexico in Focus as part of our show, Our Land, New Mexico's Environmental Past, Present, and Future. You can find Our Land all over the place on the PBS video app, Instagram, YouTube, and subscribe to Our Land Weekly, too. Thanks.